0: Oh, can I just jump right into the word? Is that okay? This is probably going to be a hot mess of a sermon, if you want to call it that. Um, but it's what I got, yeah. This past Monday, when Pastor William McDowell was here, I, uh, I was at the pumpkin patch trying to clean up and put stuff up. and Somebody messaged me and said, I think this guy's been reading your journals. So how why do you say that for? He's saying the stuff that you've been telling us for like years and the stuff that you always say to us. And uh, I got in a little late, but I sat in enough to, to know that, man, that's my kind of guy right there. And I want to share out of some thoughts that have really haven't been in my heart for a while. It's really just kind of how I, at least how I try my best to do life. And so this may not be the best of sermons for you, but it's a word that's on my heart. If you brought your instruction manuals today, we're going to read from Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 through 17. Exodus 12. I'm sorry, Exodus 33, verse 12 through 17. And uh, this is a rarity for me. My wife is actually sitting in the service while I preach. That's, that's a rarity for me right there. I took my wife with me one time to North Carolina. Pastor David, you'll appreciate this. And, um, she doesn't get to travel with me often when I travel and she's with me. And you know, when you travel and speak, I don't care how horrible your private life is, you're a star on the road, right? So people were coming up to me and Pastor Kathy, they were like, oh, your wife, She just she's so fortunate to be with a guy like you. And uh, they're like, how is it to live with a guy like this? And I'm standing there like, she's looking like she wants to go vomit, you know, like Anyway, and I just said, receive it, babe. Just receive that truth that they're spitting at you right there. (laughs) Exodus chapter 12. um, I'm going to read 33, 12 through 17. Context real quick is the nation of Israel has been brought up out of Egypt. They're making their way to the promised land. They're in what the scripture calls the wilderness. They've already had angelic visitation. They're already experiencing miracles literally every day, bread falling from heaven in the process of getting the tabernacle built and all this stuff. And Moses decides to go up on the mountain and have a conversation with, with Papa, with Abba, with Yahweh. And this is the insight of that conversation. Moses said to the Lord, See, You say to me, bring up these people. You can see him just pointing down the mountain to the couple of million people down there. But you have not let me know who you're going to send with me. Now we know that Moses had confidence issues in himself. So he's thinking, I got him out here. Certainly you got to have somebody greater than me. Like, where is this guy? Where is this person you're going to send with me? Yet you have said, I know you by name. And you're telling me, God, that I've also found grace in your sight. Now, therefore, I pray if I have really found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I might find grace in your sight. This is proof that, yes, even in the old covenant, God has always been gracious. And consider that this nation is your people. Moses reminded God real quick. These ain't my people. These are your folks. And so God speaks up and he says this, Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Notice that presence comes from, rest comes from presence. I want you to see that. I want you to see that. Then he said to him, well, God, I tell you this, if your presence does not go with us, don't bring us up from here. I'm fine hanging halfway between bondage and promise if you don't move with us watch this he said For how then will it be known? That your people and I have found grace in your sight except that you go with us The true sign of grace is that God is with us Watch it now so we shall be separate So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. The unique factor between a believer in Jesus and every other person. It's not your skin color. It's not the culture that you were raised in. It's not the home that you live in. It's not the money that you make. It is the simple fact that presence is in your life. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing you've spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Papa, let your word speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. How far somebody say it's time to host presence? It's time to host presence. I want to talk to you this morning about hosting presence. Thank you, Sarah. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church and like every church in America, every Sunday, we have a structure, we have a system, we prepare and we do the things that we prepared. We would have maybe 15 minutes of singing from hymnals and uh, maybe a 25, 30 minute message every Sunday morning. Um, but maybe once or twice a year, well, we, ha- we have what we call those runaway services. You know what those runaway services are? And those were the services where we say things like this. The Lord really moved today. And by default, what they were saying is, is that the other 50 weeks out of the year, he didn't move. But on this day, he really moved today. And without even knowing it, what they were doing is they were training us to think that when you have Holy Ghost moving services, those are services where God is in the place but when you have the ones where nothing spectacular is happening, it was just people going through religious routines and exercises. I happen to believe that God is with us always. Literally always he's with us. You do know why we call this church the gate, right? We take it from a passage in the book of Genesis where a guy went to sleep on a rock. How many you know you got to be sleepy to lay your head on a rock and go to sleep? This guy laid his head on a rock and he went to sleep. And while he was sleeping, he saw a ladder whose feet were on the earth. And the top of that ladder reached into the heavens. And he saw God at the top of that ladder. And he saw angels ascending and descending. And when he woke up, he said, this is none other than the house of God right here. This is the gate of heaven. And calling it the gate right there, he was saying, this is the place where we have access to God. This is the gate of heaven. This is the house of God. By default, when you say a place is your house, you are telling us that you reside there. You want to know how a person really lives, how they really act? Go to their house. What do you feel when you're in their house? Because the house releases the aura of who the person is. Yes, we are Pentecostal, charismatic, full gospel, tongue-talking believers. But don't let it be the fact that we speak in tongues. Don't let that be our defining mark. Don't let it be the fact that we just believe in healing. Don't let that be our defining mark. I want the thing that defines us more than any other. Hear my heart this morning. I want it to be the raw, unfiltered, Not manufactured, but God-factored presence of God that rests on all of us. When you read this Bible, I want you to know something. I love theology as much as the next person. But if you take experience out of this book, it is nothing more than a holy book. If you open the pages of this book that we call the Bible and start reading it, from the start, you find man encountering the being that we know is God. Literally, the scripture says that Adam would hear the voice of God walking. He heard the voice of God walking in the garden. And he would literally, with unbroken communion, he would commune with Abba. He would commune with Papa. He would commune with Yahweh. It was a, watch this, our faith is one of experience, not just knowledge. You find God speaking to man personally. God so cared about the nation of Israel that literally he rained bread down from heaven every day for 40 years And the scripture says the bread will not even rest on the dirt. The bread would rest on the dew that rested on the dirt They wanted quail so God sent winds and brought quails in and the quail would land right in front of their tent Listen, they had something that beats postmates. God said I will bring it to your tent door And for 40 years by day, in the day it gets so hot in the desert, and God would turn into a cloud. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. It wasn't a small cloud. It was a cloud large enough to cover a few million people. And God by day would move in a cloud, not letting his people be exposed to the elements. And everybody knows at night it gets cold in the desert and he would go from a cloud to a fire. I'm not talking about a small bonfire. Imagine a massive inferno hovering in the heavens above God's people, keeping them warm. They had central heating and cooling over 3,000 years ago. And these people, the Bible said, if you were a kid and you grew up in the desert, you wore the same clothes your whole life. And the scripture said their clothes grew with them. Scripture says that the shoes grew with their feet. And all those 40 years, there was not one feeble person among them. And I got news for you. That was under a old inferior covenant. I'm telling you, they experienced the goodness of God. They wanted water and the Bible says that God told Moses, speak to this rock. Now, it's not a rock like the size of this podium here. It would have been like a small mountain. And the scripture says in Corinthians, it says when Moses hit the rock the second time, just giving you a little bit of context here. When he hit that rock, the scripture says in Corinthians, it says this, and the rock that Moses smote, that they got water from, this is in the Bible, the rock that followed them. It says it followed them through the desert was Christ. For 40 years, a massive mountain pushed itself behind these millions of people. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? A rock forcing itself through the sand and every time they wanted water, they would speak to it and just, water would gush out. And the rock that followed them was Christ. They experienced their God. I'm telling you, if you try to separate experience from Christianity. That is the epitome of religion. And what it creates, what it creates is spiritual boredom. And spiritual boredom is always on the threshold of a backslidden state. Because if I can't experience the God that I put my faith in, did you see what happened in here when we begin to sing worship songs today? Why did the atmosphere begin to shift? It wasn't because we had a great keyboard player. It wasn't because Ashley was leading in worship. It's the presence of Yahweh Himself that says, I want to come and brood amongst you. So this God in the desert is having a conversation with Moses. Everybody say, We're here to host presence. Let me give you what Webster's dictionary, dictionary, dictionary calls. definition for host you ready for this one that receives or entertains guests one that receives or entertains guests see i'm a little bit worried today because man you can just get on christian television and you can see really quickly that a lot of church gatherings are becoming more about entertaining people rather than hosting papa's presence And the biggest churches right now in America are churches that are filled with entertainment. It's Years ago, about five years ago, Papa told me, he said, Joshua, you will see the rise of mega churches. Watch this. And he said, they will even become popular in your realm. He said, watch this, watch this, watch this. He said, but they call themselves mega because they mega in people. But yet they're not bothered by the fact that they minor in presence. He said, they mega in people. Yet they're not bothered by the fact that they minor in presence. And I want us to continue to mega in people. Bishop and PK want us to continue to mega in people. But did you not hear her heart when she was speaking today? They want us to mega in presence above all else. Think about this. We do songs that we like, but have we ever considered this, Papa, do you like these songs? I want to submit something to you this morning. We don't do what we do hoping that you enjoy and that you get blessed and that you come. I want you to hear this. It is so important that we host Presence Well. We design buildings and stages all for the simple fact that we hope people enjoy. But can you not hear Papa saying, if you would just let me in there. There's a church in the book of Revelation. And the Bible says, man, they're having church. And Jesus is speaking to this church. He says, you have a name that you're alive. You're popular. You're known in all of your nation. He said, but you don't really know that you're actually dead. This is Jesus speaking. And they're having church. And Jesus in the Bible, Jesus is on the outside of the church. And the Bible says he's doing this. Now, they're having church on the inside of the church, but the presence of the one that they're supposed to be rejoicing to, he was on the outside trying to get in. What kind of church were they having if the presence of Yahshua was on the outside, but they're still having shouting praise dances on the inside? He said, oh, but if you would let me in. He said, I would give you eye salve for your eyes. I would give you gold that's been tried in the fire. He said, I will clothe you with true clothing. I'm telling you, there are songs that we haven't even begun to fathom that are born only out of presence. There are miracles that we can't even articulate with our words that are born only out of presence. I believe there's economic transformation coming to communities that we cannot rightly fathom that come only out of a place of presence. We're called to host presence. if the greatest privilege and delight of any believer is hosting the presence of God then it should be rightly said that the greatest responsibility for us to do is to host the presence of God I remember going to a friend's house in high school my parents said they are well off that meant they had a little bit of money they didn't grow up in my town, my little community of about 40 people. He actually lived at a golf course, really, really nice home, man. His name was Clint Lyles. I, I, I was a good friend of Clint's. i never forget the first time I went to his house, and they understood hosting well. If you want to understand hosting well, don't go to Popeye's. I bless you with that revelation in Jesus' name. If you really want to understand hosting well, where am I going to send you to? Look, at a bunch of Christians in here today. Because when you go to Chick-fil-A, they put a premium on your person. i seen a guy in Chick-fil-A one time. I don't know where his wife was. He had three kids. He's struggling. He has one in his hand and, and, and two more but under the age of three. And he's struggling. He's trying to get himself to the counter. And, and, the, and the cash attendant, working the cash register, she walks around the counter. She says, let me help you with your kids. I thought, I'm about to give you a tip right now. What, your name? <laughs> she put premium on his presence. And she said, how about this? You just go to your seat. Tell me what you want. I'll go back to the register, and I'll order it for you, and I'll bring it to you. Do you know what? If that was his first time, and I doubt it was, if that was his first time ever going to Chick-fil-A, you can best believe it will not be his last time going to Chick-fil-A. Big Rob, I ain't going to say nothing about moldy biscuits. I'm going to just keep right on going, man. Wow. And then Chick-fil-A hosts you so well, after they take your order, they tell you this, it's my pleasure. See, when I went to stay with my friend Clint, I went to his house, and I go in. His mom said, have a seat. So I have a seat. I'm thinking, you know what, man? I got those chairs that feel like you're sitting on concrete at my house. (laughs) But you guys... Their house felt like my mother in law's house. Watch this. Pastor Kathy has that thermostat set on Alaska. <laughs> you better go up in there with a straight up polar bear coat. I mean, a North Face ain't gonna cut it. You know, it's cold. Bishop be cold. Bishop, like, it's cold, ain't it, Josh? We sitting on the blanket, like, yes, sir, Bishop, it's cold up in here today, yes, sir. <laughs> I go to their house. I go to Clint's house. I'm sitting, that's what Pastor Guy said, you get a blanket. That's right. I go to their house. I sit down. His mom, see, you can tell by the size of my wrist, I get cold easy. <laughs> Trying to give a witness to my wife. So I go to their house and I'm sitting down and his, his mom can tell I'm cold because you can see my words in the air because I'm breathing. So I, <sighs> She's like, you cold? Yes, sir. Ma'am, I'm cold. Yes, yes, I'm cold. So she brings me a blanket. Eighth grade, I'll never forget it. She brings me a blanket. She comes back a little bit later. She's like, would you want some hot chocolate? Yes, ma'am, I do want some hot chocolate. (laughs) I got hot chocolate. I got a blanket. I'm sitting in a soft chair. She said, you need me to adjust the thermostat with my teeth chattering? No, ma'am, I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) Guess who my number one friend to stay with in school was? Clint Lowes. Not because we did amazing things at his house. Simply because every time I went there, I was hosted well. Have you ever been to somebody's house and they didn't host you well? They don't ask you, do you want anything to drink? They don't ask you if you're cold. They didn't wash the dishes, so they can't give you a cup anyway. Now, don't look at your neighbor, but you know exactly who I'm talking about. And you were glad they didn't ask you to eat nothing because you know what them dishes look like (laughs) right now we all know what it means to go to a restaurant and be hosted badly even if the food's good if you're hosted badly you're like I ain't coming back here how do you think Papa feels in his house Do we put premium on his person? Do we tailor to him? Do we cater to him? Do you understand that worship in the old covenant was catered toward God? He said, you can't bring me any kind of offering that you want to. And they tried it. He even said in the book of Malachi, he said, if you bring this to a human governor, he will not receive this. And I am a God without blemish. My, my character is spotless. And you bring this to me, I'm God. I took my wife a few weeks ago to go see Downton Abbey at the movies. I never watched a show of it in my life. It was good in Jesus' name. (laughs) Didn't take me long to figure out. They lived in a nice home. I call it a palace, right? If I'm wrong, forgive me. But if I remember correctly, the whole house got in an uproar because they found out the king was coming. The king is coming to live with us for a while. And when they, ah, when they found out the king was coming to live with them for a while, the whole house became, let's just say this, they were not at ease. And they began to prepare everything. Everything. They were cleaning ceilings and, 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 and crown molding and baseboard. They're taking out every single little utensil and they're trying to clean it. They got upset because the, the current guy that was over all this stuff, he wasn't cleaning the dishes right. And they said, go get the old guy. He knows how to get things done. And the old guy comes and he just starts doing stuff the way it's supposed to be done. I, I want to ask you a question. If you knew that royalty was coming to live with you, how would you change your life right now? If you knew that you had to host divinity for a little while, how would you change things in your life? See, God visits a whole lot of places, but there's not a whole lot of places he resides in. And you know, if somebody comes to stay with you for a day or two, you don't got to go through all the trouble of making stuff just right. But when somebody comes to stay long term, you can't push your underwear under the carpet. You got to clean that house. And I just believe in my heart that God's called this to be a church that He says, hey, I don't want visitation rights. I want to come and rest, rule, live in your midst. I want to be at To The Beat Dance Studios on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Ministries on Wednesday night. I want to show up with the kids in the back I want to be with Chris and the team in the parking lot when God comes. He's not coming for partial rights He says you are mine and I am yours. I want to mark you with my presence I'm telling you we are called to host presence God doesn't want to be our guest of honor. He wants to be a royal residing resident. It changes things. Taking notes, write this down. The, the most used word for presence in the Old Testament is this it's the word panim, P A N I M. And the best word they could find to define what the presence of God was is panim. And here's what panim means face, Jesus. Everybody say face. So when we say we're in the presence of God, it's not like a cool mist we're talking about. We're literally saying, I'm in God's face. So the scripture says this. No man can see the face of God and what? Did you hear what you just said? No man can see the face of God and what? And then the scripture turns right around and says this, Psalms 105 around verse 4. It says, seek the Lord, seek his strength, but seek his face forevermore. Seek the Lord, seek his strength, seek his face forevermore. Hold up now. You just told me I can't seek God's face and live. But then I got all these passages that say, seek his face, seek his face, seek his face. Is God trying to kill me? You know what he's saying, right? Once you come into my presence, Jesus, once you come into my face, he says, you can't live after seeing my face the same way you did before seeing my face. And all it takes is one face-to-face encounter and everything changes. You know, the best way for God to crush the spirit of religion is do this. You know, the best way for God to crush that sickness in your body is he does this. He gives you a face-to-face encounter. And when God is coming, he's not interested in showing Showing you his biceps, he says, "I want you to see the color of my face." This.
1: See, growing up, we would sing this song in church. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Pure and holy, tried and true, and with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Beautiful song. And what would it actually mean?
0: If we would see ourselves as divine real estate, a house in whom a king himself says, I want to live on the inside of you. See, I've heard people say this. I love the face of God. I just don't like his body too much. Ladies, what would you say if somebody said, I love your face? Men, what would you say if they say, you know what? I love your face. I'm just having a hard time with your body. And I think when people look in history, they love the face of God of what they heard about. But then they look at the body right now and they're like, you know what? I don't feel like those two mixed together. But I just believe that the the body is listening to the head now. I believe the groom is right now speaking to his bride. And so the scripture says, when the spirit and the bride say, come, when there's an alignment with heaven and earth, when the body, listen, the head is not going to say, okay, body, okay, you're going to live there. I'm going to come over there. No, no, no. The head's going to stay right where he is until the body says, okay, okay, okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Write this down. Points to remember. Moses said, talking to God, Who are you gonna send with me? And God says, My presence will go with you. He didn't say my presence will go with you when you go to the tabernacle, Moses, or when you go to church. You know what God was essentially saying? I want to be with you every place you go all the time. I want to be with you everywhere you go all the time. Listen to this God is omnipotent, He is omnipresent. He is everywhere at all times. But watch this. He's just not always manifest presence. But watch this. He longs to be, though. Listen to this scripture. Habakkuk 2 and 14. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. How, Habakkuk? Like the waters cover the seas. I used to read that and go, boy, God's got some real issues. Doesn't God know the water is the seas? I'm going to let my knowledge and my glory cover the earth. How? He says the same way the waters cover the seas. Like, is God going to take a mist of himself and say, boom, here's some for Australia. Boom, here's some for me. No. that's not what he does. How does he do it? Watch this. Colossians 127. Christ in you, which is plural, Christ in y'all, the hope of So God says, I want the knowledge of my glory, my presence to cover the earth. How am I going to do it? I'm going to put it in you. And then watch this. When I put it in you, I'm going to put you everywhere. If Christ in you is the hope of glory, then Christ through us is that hope revealed. Listen, listen, listen. Paul said... Acts 17 28, quoting a philosopher of his day, he said, In God we move, we live, we have our being. So we live in God. Watch this. I love the 316s of the Bible. What about 1 Corinthians 3:16? Don't you know that your body is now the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit? Watch this. In the old covenant, God lived in a tent house, a skin house. He still lives in a skin house. Some of our houses got a little bit more wrinkles than others. Some of our houses a little bit skinnier than others. Some of our house got a little bit more tan than others. But God still lives in a skin tent. But watch this. Does he live in me or do I live in him? Yes. Watch this. That makes us a house within a house a house within a house god says i want to be with you everywhere all the time no matter where you go moses my presence will be with you how god because a virgin will conceive give birth to a son his name shall be called emmanuel which means what That means he's with me when I go shopping in Walmart. He's with me when I'm buying wood in Home Depot. He's with me when I drop my kids off, guys, in the drop off line. He's with me when I go to the laundromat. He's with me when I'm at the park. He's with me when I'm at the game. I know He's with me when I'm at church, but God, break us out of that mindset that we host God at church. We do host Him here, but the real emphasis, guys, is on us hosting God in our own personal lives. And if we host Him well in our personal lives, then when we come together for our public gatherings, the overflow will be so much more easier we won't have to cheerlead we won't have to prime we won't have to pump because i was meeting with god on monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday so when you bring your stream here and you bring your stream here and you bring your stream here it's easy for the river to begin to flow listen isaiah says this he says the new wine is found in the cluster of the grapes You don't get wine from a grape. And you are just a grape. You provide a drop. I provide a drop. But when we come together. And the cluster comes. And God says I can crush some of that. And then what happens is what happened this morning. When Yahweh begins to come. And omnipresence shifts to manifest presence.
1: And before long. We sing songs like, and we are standing on holy ground, and I know that there are angels all around. This is real, folks. Second thing I want you to see
0: from this passage is the one thing that makes us different from any other people on the planet is presence. Watch this. My wife's here today. I could take a picture of my wife with me to work. I could put some of her clothes in the car. I could even bring her perfume, which sometimes I do before I travel. I'll take a shirt and be like, Pff. It's been three days. I'm on a trip. I'm like, Shh. <sighs> But she's not with me. I come home from work. Josh, I want to spend some time with you. And she loves to spend time with Big Daddy Jay. Don't look at her now. You just look at me. I'm preaching. Look, right here. Help me, Pastor David. She, she, she loves to spend time with Big Daddy Jay, right? I come home from work. She's like, I want to spend time with you. What if I said, I've been with you all day. I had your picture. I had your book. I had your perfume. I had some of your clothes. Watch this. Dancing around the things of God will never be a substitution for spending time with God. I could say, babe, I slept on your pillow. Come on, your, your, I put your, your perfume all on that pillow. I've been with you. No, 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 no. This is me. And I'm telling you, God is not calling us to host things that look like Him, He's calling us to host Him. And I believe one of the quickest ways to get God to leave a place is we treat him like a small deal when he's there. But the best way to get God to come and keep on coming is to celebrate him. We say, God, I know you're here right now. Father, I bless you up in this place. And just as soon as you thought you've seen all that God has to give, he says, I'm going to let you walk into some first-time things. I got some first-time miracles, some first-time breakthroughs that you ain't never seen before. See, listen guys, when when we got married, I got married right here on this stage. When my wife walked through those doors, I'll never forget it, she had a long train. When she stepped one foot across that threshold, her presence was in this room. And man, I was so cool before the wedding, but boy, when she came in, I got them ugly snot cries. I was like. You might as well let it go, because if not, you look like you're manifesting. So just just let it go. That's what I should have done. And even though she was all the way in, she starts walking to me, and little did I know, more of her began to come in because her train began to come. And see, I thought I had seen all of her beauty, but no, no, it just kept coming and coming and coming, and Isaiah said, his train filled the temple. He said, God, there's more of you than I thought I ever seen before. There's levels of majesty, guys, that we don't know nothing about. There's depths of beauty that we don't know anything about. He has more than our three fast and our two slow, and I'm telling you, God is fixing the nominal Sunday morning gatherings. You can get ready for it, because he says, I'm going to give you a side of me that you ain't never seen before. I want you to see my face. Show See, what happens is when we learn to steward presence and host presence at one degree, God says, then I begin to entrust you with more of me. See, when I hosted my wife well in the dating phase, she had enough of it. She was like, would you just please date me? Please, just please, just, just take it to another level. I said, like, well, if you want it like that, you know, I guess I can. Don't look at her. Now look at me. I'm the preacher, see. See, first I hosted her well in liking her. And then when I hosted her well in liking her, it opened an opportunity up for me to actually date her. When I hosted her well in dating her, it opened up an opportunity for me to pop the big question. I'll never forget going to talk to Bishop and Pastor Kathy. They were in the ready room. It was after Sunday morning service. I was going to ask them, could I, could I date their daughter? Lindsay stayed home because she was sick. She didn't believe in healing, so she stayed home. And uh, <laughs> Don't look at her. Now you got to look at me, see? And I'll never forget asking Bishop and Pastor Kathy, could I date Lindsay? Made me feel so good. Bishop was like, Josh. He said, he said, my daughters never dated nobody serious about the kingdom like you. And I was like, yeah, I know, Bishop. I know. All the rest of them, but you know me, Bishop. Right? That's not what he said, but when we steward God good on one level, he gives us more for him, right? Presence is not the things that remind you of God, but presence is God himself. See, we've taken the things of God and tried to replace God. I love music. I love my Bible. I love buildings. I love events. I love activities. But God. I remember a couple years ago, Papa asked me, he said, I want you to quit introducing people to the principles of me and introduce them to the person of me. In prayer. I said, w- what are you saying? He said, well, you do a good job of introducing people to my principles. You just don't introduce them to me. If I want you to meet my mother-in-law, do I say, well, here, here, here's, her, here's her book. She's awesome. You'd rather meet her. Some practical things that the team would just come back up on stage for me. Some practical things about hosting presence. As a church family, we do all that we can. When you you walk in this building, you see my mother-in-law's finger prints on everything. You see the excellence, man. It's excellent. We have a beautiful church. We have a beautiful church. You see people in the parking lots welcoming you in. Parking cars. Guys in golf carts driving around picking folks up. Notice the excellence, man. All of those things are simply roses and chocolates to what's about to happen. They don't make the intimacy. They just heighten it a little bit. What we do here. I love the words we have on the wall. Welcome home. You belong here. This is none other than the house. Of God. Some practical things about hosting presence. If you're a man and you're married, I want you to hear this. If you're a single lady with kids, I want you to hear this. This has to start at home. Deuteronomy chapter six God speaking through Moses to Israel, he says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. Can I make a confession? I haven't done the best job at that. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, you'll talk of them. And when you lie down, you'll talk of them. And when you rise up, you'll talk of them. And you'll bind these words as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you'll write these words on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, Israel, when you go out and when you come home and when you go out and when you come home and when you go out and when you come home, may your home be a sanctuary. May it be a place where the scripture is read. May it be a place where worship is gone. Come on, men. It's time that we begin to do communion at home with our families. It's time we take the Bible and say, this is what I've been feeling like. God has been speaking to me. It's time we grab the hands of our wives, our kids and say, let's sit down together as a family and pray. And you're not just teaching them religious jargon. You're really showing This is how we host the presence of God. And although you're sowing seeds of presence into their life right now, one day the tree will come. And after the tree comes, the tree itself will produce fruit. And then that fruit will produce seeds. And in those seeds will be more trees. And in those trees will be more fruit. And what started as a seed of presence will end up being a forest of glory. It may look like this thing isn't working, but I'm telling you, it's working. It's working. Last week, last week, let me be honest. No, last week I screamed at my kids for something. I didn't raise my voice. I screamed. Yeah, you want to talk about feeling bad as a dad? Do that when you know you were in the wrong. Any dads, know what I'm talking about? And I always go and apologize to my kids. When I went to apologize to them, Pastor Kathy, I did my what's custom to me. I said, "Guys, I'm sorry." I said, I wasn't a good, I didn't get to finish my statement. I said, I wasn't a good, and my little girl who just turned five, what, two weeks ago? My statement is this I wasn't a good representation of Papa. I didn't even get to finish my statement. She said, I know, Dad. She said, you weren't a good representation of Papa, were you? I didn't need to hear Bishop give me a convicting sermon right there. Boom. But you know what I found out? The seed is taking root. Taking root. Papa's calling men to lead families again. Understand something. At home, your private time makes you. Let me just skip because I want to use my time wisely. Number two, you're going to have to make time for presence at home. Don't wait till your schedule frees up. It never will. It's amazing. You'll have time to watch four hours of YouTube. Ten hours a week on social media you can go spend three or four hours at the movies and at the mall you can take a week long vacation nothing ever interferes with your schedule but when you intentionally say papa I'm coming now I'm coming papa I'm coming now I'm coming to do this now see for me it started at 4 30 this morning see see I've learned I can't I can't fit God into my schedule I have to build my schedule around God literally The apostles of old made time the prophets of old made time the judges of old made time the followers of God have always made Time life will not make it easy on you. You have to say I am going to dedicate this portion of my time to God And when you get home and you begin to do this as a family Don't worry about what it looks like. Just do it. Just start man. Just read just worship for a little bit. It don't even have to be long. Just take, I'm going to take seven minutes. Read, pray, and give thanks to God and go about your day. I used to worry about what it was going to look like. But it still looks spiritual enough. But really what I was saying was, I'm insecure about doing this. I'm going to make a big, big statement. I might even get a swift from for this one. I know people that are willing to take off clothes in front of their spouse, but they won't take their hand and pray with them. But I'm telling you, man, it's just as sure as I'm standing on this platform today. I think it was Monday night. My father-in-law got up and said that Pastor Kathy said, I think it's time the Lord said, we need to begin to wait on Yahweh again. December of last year, God instructed me, Pastor Kathy. He said, I'm going to teach you how to wait this year, son. Let me tell you, get ready, Sarah. Let me tell you the most flesh-destroying thing I've ever done in 36 years of living is waiting on the Lord. I'm now getting to go in my office or wherever it is at night. And I say, God, I'm coming to wait. And I begin to do things that were comfortable for me. I would pull out my Bible. And I'm telling you, he said this to me. He said, put your Bible up because that, that, that's religiously comfortable, comfortable for you. So I put it aside. And when I'm laying there, sometimes it's in the middle of the night. You know what kind of thoughts come across our mind? Boy, those baseboards need cleaning right now. I should probably go sweep out the corners of my garage. I'm not even lying to you. For stuff I would never think of doing. I was laying in my office in January of this year and I'm on my back on a lunch break and I'm looking out of the window. And I've been there maybe five to seven minutes, wouldn't even 10, and something that looked like ash began to blow through my office as I was waiting. And Papa spoke to me, he said, "'Did you see what I just showed you?' And I said, Papa, I saw that. He said, Now wait. And as I waited, it began to blow again. And he said, There's things I'm going to teach you about my presence that only happen as you wait on my presence. And he said, Consider John the beloved. This is what he said. He said, Consider John the beloved who leaned into my presence. He literally, he leaned into the bosom of Yahshua. And when he leaned into his bosom, he said, why do you think he lived longer than the other disciples? Why do you think he's the one that got the great revelation? Why do you think? Because when he leaned into me, he got a part of me that the others didn't get. And I want to make a declaration. I know Bishop said it on Monday night. I'm telling you, it's time we begin to wait. I know we're going to wait in this house, but I believe God's said we're going to be waiting at 11604 Blue. Court. Are you going to begin to wait at your house? Come on, are you going to take the hand of your family? Are you going to take the hands of your kids and say, let's wait for a moment? So this is a song I've been waiting. If you're waiting for an altar call, this is it, man. This is a song that I sing sometimes to Papa in my time
1: of waiting. Wait. I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting. Oh, you know, I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting. Come on, man, grab the hand of your spouse here.
0: we got 15 minutes before 12 let's wait for a little bit let's wait He's receiving this. stir in the embers of your devotional life he's stirring the embers of your devotional life